Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. We are your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Just so privileged to bring I Work For Him to you across the globe on podcasts, on power pods, on radio waves in so many ways. Thanks for joining us today. We are really thankful that you tuned in. And one of the things that I just really want to encourage you listeners is that we know you have a story to tell. Um, and hopefully we can kind of, you know, coax you to share that story with us as over the next few minutes when Jim and I are talking. Coax or bribe. Coax, or, you know, whatever bribe, whatever, Jim. We're all about that. But um, listeners, God is working in your lives. I'm amazed, Jim, when we have a caller call in because they win a book, they want to win a book, they want to, and I call them back to get some information, or maybe I couldn't hear the spelling or whatever it might be. Um, I am amazed at what God is doing in people's lives. And they take a few minutes to share that with me. You got to start recording those phone calls because I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Hi, this is Martha. Can I record this conversation? <laughs> that, but I do document, I write it, laugh, I do write it down, um, you know, but I just, it's amazing because with radio, people don't really think about this too much probably because it's, it's on our end of the microphone. We're not, we're, we don't know what's going on on their end where the, where the speakers are listening. We don't know what you're thinking. We don't know what you're thinking. We don't know who's listening. We don't know if they have earbuds in their ears. It's tuned in on their car. Um, it's on their desktop at work in the background. We don't know. But I do know one thing. I do know that the um, stories that our, our guests are sharing on the show, that they're um, telling what God has done in their life and sharing that is impacting people. It is challenging people. And I'm excited about that. And um, so we are trying to get people to share those stories with us of what God's doing, right? And we have successfully received one video, but we wanted to have a competition uh, of videos <laughs> of, you know, we, we've got, you know, we've got audiences that are listening to the radio today in Jacksonville, Florida, in Tampa, Florida, which is all over Tampa Bay, Florida, you know, from north of Fort Myers to south of Ocala, all the way over to Disney, and then all over Norfolk, Virginia and Cherokee County, Georgia. So many people are listening to the show today. Hear us out. And the people that are listening oh, to the podcast. Well, right, Jim, they're going to listen to the podcast tomorrow when it comes out. They might be in um, they could be anywhere. the they're, Philippines. That's right. We've got people that listen on every continent across the globe. Please listen. You and your story has been written by our Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. We would love for you to share your story with us. And we'd love for you to do it via video. For a couple of reasons, and we're just looking for a couple minute, you know, Facebook Live kind of video or upload a video uh, on your phone. On your phone, yeah. and nothing fancy, but just how has listening to I Work for Him and recognizing that your workplace is your mission field, how has that transformed how you look at work? We just want to know uh, because it's encouraging to other people to hear faith stories. It's encouraging to us when we hear your story. That's super, super important. And honestly, as we start to expand across the country, other radio stations, other podcast platforms, they want to know, are you guys actually, Jim and Martha, are you guys actually reaching anybody? And we could say, you bet. Look at the testimonials of people being impacted. 
And so we want to invite you to join the the contest. We're giving away a $100 grand prize. And guess what? For the best video. Today is three months until Christmas. Yes. Yep. And so what a great way to launch the season, but with a gift that just, card. It was just random. Today's three months till Christmas. Oh, that's not random at all. That's very purposeful. I didn't get a three months till Christmas present, though. No. No. Nope. Not yet. Oh, now, that's there's still true. Day, there's still time left. I made you brownies a couple days ago. Was you that did. a gift? No, not a Christmas gift. <laughs> okay. No. All right. But but let's get back to this video contest. Yes. We are asking you, our listeners, to just take a minute or two to share a testimonial and then the directions of what we're looking for to win the prize, and we got a first, second, and third place prize, are on our Facebook page, I Work For Him, or on our YouTube channel, I Work For Him. That's right. Good so, job, Jim. I, I remembered those things. You That's did. pretty good. And we just want to, we're not looking for fancy. We're not looking for uh, uh, music underlying the video. We're not looking for closed captioning, although those things are really cool. We're really looking to hear your heart and what our Heavenly Father is doing for you because you recognize that He loves your work. That's right. You know, I just had a thought. You maybe um, want to do this with a friend. You could have a friend just, you know, have a conversation and turn on the little video and say, hey, you know, let's talk about some of the things we've heard on I Work For Him or whatever that is. Um, I don't know. Just get creative. But but I think the big thing is with anything in life, we can procrastinate. We can go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I might want to do that someday. Today is the day. We are only doing this till the end of the month. And so we want to just make sure that we give the opportunity for people to submit. If you don't want to put it out on Facebook and you just want to email it to me, email Martha at IWorkForHim.com. Martha at IWorkForHim.com. But guys, we're, we just want to have some fun and in, invite you into that process as well. So there you go. All right. So and and understand as we head off into the fall, some changes are happening at IWorkForHim as we come off of some stations and remain on others. We're preparing for a relaunch in January across the nation, both digitally on radio platforms and and so we're working on pulling all of this together in order to impact our nation. There's more than 50 million Christians in workplaces <laughs> across the country, and they all need to know that their work matters to God and their workplace is a mission field. That's right. And you don't have to miss a single episode along the way. Remember to go to um, your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to I Work For Him. Jim, there's two options now for people out there. Two there's options? The daily but show. Wait, there's more. I Work For Him podcast, which is a podcast of our daily show. And there's also the I Work For Him Power Pod, which is taking past interviews and cutting them down to the highlight reel and putting them out there three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And that is through the um, Charisma Podcast Network, but they can find that on their favorite platforms as well. So we're really excited about those opportunities that people can every single day be inspired, be reminded, be encouraged and challenged with whatever our guests are sharing with us about connecting their faith and their work. And if you're a regular listener to I Work For Him and you listen during the commercial breaks, we've been playing our I Work For Him Power Thoughts, which are one minute summaries of a show from the past that it just spoke, it just speaks to all of us, mm -hmm. and it's there to inspire you and your workplace mission. And we want to get those on every Christian music station and Christian talk station around the country. 
And so if you're in an area and you're listening to a station, give us a station ID so that we can reach out to them and let them know about our I Work for Empower thought. Yeah, it's super easy. The technology behind it for the radio station is super simple. It's what they're used to. It's available. They can pull it. It's like a little library, basically, that they can just access every day. So it's pretty neat how that works. And um, they're pretty powerful, Jim. All right. Iworkforhim.com, always the best place to get all of us. Martha, before we end our first segment, and we've we've really had some fun talking about this video contest, video contest, video contest, video contest, video <laughs> Don't contest, forget, video, video contest. A hundred dollar grand prize. You had a you had a verse that, that's really been impacting you that well, you want to share. Yeah, yesterday our guest, Matthew Bell, shared how before he starts his day, before he goes into a meeting, before he makes a business decision, he really focuses and prays over Proverbs 16, 3. And then when I talked to a listener last night, they were like, what was that verse that that guy talked about? That was really powerful. So I felt like it was worth repeating. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And um, I think that this is really a great thing to um, spend some time focusing on, meditating on, and really making sure that what we're committing to the Lord is what he wants us to be doing. Right, and, and there's a certain process in this. This is not go ahead and do your thing and then say, Lord, would you please yeah. bless that? It's before you do anything, say, Lord, would you guide my steps? Would you guide my thoughts? Would you guide my interactions? Would you help me to see what you see as I interact with these people right. and and bless my steps and your plans will succeed? That's a different approach. That's putting the Lord first and then right. following. Mm-hmm. And that and that's a really good point, Jim, because a lot of us just go, okay, Lord, here's what I've already put on my calendar for today. Now I want you to bless it. That's not what he's talking about. It's a heart issue. Are we doing what God wants us to do? Proverbs 16, 3. Say it one more time. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. All right. Have you ever felt like your job was killing you? I have. In fact, one day my doctor told me, Jim, if you don't quit your job, you're going to have a heart attack. My blood pressure was high. My heart was aching. I was devastated because it was an industry that I loved, but the frustration factor was immense. So what do you do when you feel like you're on the edge, on the edge in all areas of your life and all those around you are being negatively affected, especially your family? What do you do? Who do you talk to? Today, we're going to talk with one executive from Dallas, Texas, Steve Ramser. He came to this place in his life, that spot where his life was a mess and we just asked him if he would share it with him. Steve Ramser, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be with you. All right. Am I saying the last name right? Ramser. Ram, I want to just say it for everybody. Steve Ramser. Ramser. I just want to make sure I say it right, because when people are looking you up, I want to make sure they've got it all right. The last name is spelled R-A-M-S-U-E-R, and we're really ex- S-E-U-R, S-E-U-R. S-E-U-R, wow. yeah. Yeah, correct. I, I just tested yeah. to see if you know how to spell your last name. All right. I appreciate St- that. Steve, talk to us about your Jesus story. Talk to us about how you first came to be a Christ follower. Sure. I grew up uh, in a in a religious family, but never really heard the gospel. And uh, shortly after my, my wife and I were married, we we moved to Dallas. I had just recently graduated from college. We were in the middle of the, the Great Texas Depression and found a job in Dallas. One of the men I worked with, Mark Reiswig, um, was a very strong believer. And there was something different about him. Um, he wasn't proselytizing at work or anything like that. He just 
the way he managed his expense reports or uh, the way he handled his clients. He put their interests first or negotiated contracts was just different. And he was my mentor. And Angie and I were attending a, a church at the time, and there was there were some comments during a Sunday school class that didn't really sound right to me. I didn't know much, but uh, the, the, the person was teaching that Jesus didn't bodily rise from the dead. And I didn't know a lot, but that didn't sound right to me. And so I went to work, and I I told I asked Mark on that Monday, I said, hey, it was in Sunday school. Here's what I heard. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And Mark said, you know, Steve, would you like to hear what the Bible has to say about that? I said, sure. So we brown bagged it in the courtyard in our office building there in Addison for about six weeks. And he walked me through truths that transform and took me through the gospel and answered all of my annoying questions and was patient with me. Little did I know it, his navigators group was praying for me behind the scenes. And one Sunday night, about six weeks after we started meeting, um, I was in our small two-bedroom home in Farmer's Branch. My wife had gone to bed, and I was contemplating two paths. I was contemplating suicide and coming to Christ. And the Lord literally knocked me to the ground and saved me. And I walked in the next morning, asked Mark to meet in the conference room, and I said, I'm not sure what happened last night, but it's like the lights came on and this big burden rolled off my shoulders. And he said, you've been saved. And uh, he began discipling me. He baptized me um, in the church there. And then he spent uh, two years discipling me before I went back to to graduate school. (laughs) What a phenomenal story to see that it was one Christ follower's behavior, his excellence in his work that caught your attention, that drew you into conversation with your friend Mark, that eventually led you to Christ. And it wasn't Mark that led you to Christ. It was the power of God that did that, but it was his example that drew you to ask questions and to know that you had a place to go. I mean, that's a powerful story, Steve, that people know where to go. And and, and we talk about that, that excellence factor, how big of a difference did that make when you were looking at Mark's behavior? How big does, did his pursuit of excellence and what he did make a difference in you knowing that there's a guy you can trust? That was the X factor. and we uh, He was, like I said, the, the leading salesperson in the organization, and we traveled a region in the central U.S., and I would travel with him. And he was always very careful to make sure that we we maintained our per diem, that we um, stayed within the, the bounds of the company's expense guidelines. Um, in meeting with clients, I noticed that he was a, a truth teller. And then as we drafted contracts and, and delivered the services to our clients, I noticed that he, he really was interested in them as people uh, before he was interested in taking their money. So talk to us about then, okay, since you were led to Christ in the workplace, you were at, you had a decided advantage over most people in that your faith and your work were already intricately connected. But how did your faith shape your work from that point going forward? And, and how did your wife come to the Lord later? I mean, share that story, because she's, she's going, wow, my husband just went through a remarkable transformation, because you know she noticed. What was the story there? Well, the <laughs> the transformation was was radical uh, from what from her perspective, from who I, who I was growing up. I was a street fighter, and I was I was I was the I was not I was not uh, the good kid uh, growing up. Let's just say that. And um, she 
she saw what happened with me. She thought I had literally gone crazy. And it was a it was a rough, rocky six month period of time before the Lord was pleased to to save her. And uh, again, I think the key to this is not really what led. Obviously, the Holy Spirit was leading up to uh, my salvation, but it was really the embrace that Mark put around us in discipleship after that salvation. And being a navigator, you know, that's kind of like Bud's uh, Navy SEAL training, right, and being decided by a navigator. And, and they embraced both Angie and me, and then got us plugged into a, a solid church in Richardson. Wow. I mean, it's just, I love the fact that this all happened because of one guy willing to live out his faith in the details of his expense report. That's where you caught the notice. I love that. So today, how many years ago was that again? So that was in the in the 80s or 90s? Where, when was that? That would have been between, uh, we got married in 86, so 87. That would have been 80, May of 87. Okay. So, so in the last... 32 years you've seen a lot of life you've worked a lot how did your faith start to shape your work it changed everything um you know i ended up after 18 months there with with that company going back to get i don't know really know what it was like in texas at the time but the, the economy was was really in the tank and i went back to get a a master's degree and during that time we fell in with a a very strong group of graduate students, post-grad doctoral students, who um, were discipling one another for the two years in, in graduate school. We traveled together, camped together, hung out together, couples, and everything was kind of shaped. It's almost like you know, Paul going down into Nabataean Arabia, right, for three years. It was like this, 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 this intensive shaping period that when I graduated from um, with my master's, we moved up to Seattle, I took my first job. My work had been shaped by that experience um, to to glorify God. <laughs> and now we fast forward 32 years. You've seen God work in your work life. As a result of you seeing how Mark led his life at work, how often have you gotten to have conversations with coworkers, employees, bosses because of the demonstration of excellence in your own work? I just finished one. Literally dozens, if not hundreds. I mean, um, whether it is in in the workplace or um, on an airplane or discipleship, it's it's not it's not as if I I'm, the Lord opens the door and sets those divine appointments uh, in such exciting ways. I don't even know where to I don't know where to start. I, I love that, that there's so many, you don't even know which one to pick. But today the topic is going to be the subject of your burnout. Your success mm-hmm. led you to such success that it actually caused you to burn out and, and, and really to self-destruct. And Steve, talk to us about your role today. Before we talk about your burnout and, your, and, and how rest came into play, You've got a responsibility over thousands of people each and every day. How do you make sure that your faith is infiltrating the ranks down the line? It's different today than it was 120 days ago. Yeah, what I mean by that is that uh, I've made some major shifts in 
in how I manage my my time, the the boundaries that I set. Um, and it might be helpful to kind of give you an idea of where I was six months ago versus where I am today, if that okay. if that makes sense. That's fine. Let's let's go okay, and talk, so, talk to us about yeah, what I, led to the, to to yeah. your to the burnout. Right. So to give you an idea, right? I've I've um, encapsulate the most recent history. I I have been an entrepreneur inside of Fortune 500 companies now for about 30 years. What I mean by explain that what, is, yeah, good. Explain that. Yeah, what I mean by that is I, I innovate and build startup type businesses inside of big companies, service lines businesses. And the most recent uh, ask by my CEO. Uh, two and a half years ago, was to step into the digital realm and build a kind of a, a disruption, uh, game-changing technology application within one of our biggest core businesses. And I, I, I look over three aspects of our business. Um, one aspect of our business is helping companies find space. The second aspect of the bet's about, about 1,800 people. The second aspect of the business is building out that space about – 2000, something like that. And then the third aspect of that is our uh, consulting organization and accounts-based businesses, which is about 1,100 people, give or take. Those numbers change. Um, and then I also ran our large accounts, and I was also working on a second master's degree from Dallas Seminary in theology, three kids, wife of 32 years, um, six galas a year, sat on three boards, had a lot going on. And what the challenge that I, w- and I was also – um, teaching in, in Africa. I think we talked about that the last time we spoke. But do, doing different things. And what I w- the, the challenge I was facing is that I didn't look at the big picture. I was looking at each of these different areas individually, and the cumulative effect hit me upside the head the week of Good Friday. So what happened? I was on a business trip. Um, I had been traveling. Um, I think I had traveled, I'm not sure, every every week minus one or two in, in this year, and a lot was going on. And I was in Dallas, and I woke up that morning, made the mistake of instead of grabbing my Bible, I grabbed my cell phone. And sure enough, the technology project that I was working on had gone offline. And they had moved it to the cloud and failed to redirect some of the APIs. And, and the bottom line is the users all across the country were, were shut down. So it was a really bad start to the day. Went from there to um, Dallas Seminary, where, where the Hendricks Center, where I sit on the roundtable, were hosting a pastor's conference around faith and work for 650 pastors and attended that conference left the conference to go back to my office, dealt with some personnel issues, drove from there back to my hotel, walked into my hotel room, and, and it felt like someone hit me in the chest with a nine iron. The pain went um, in my chest, up over my left shoulder, down my left arm into my thumb. Um, the walls began to close in around me, shortness of breath, um, an ice pick right center in the back of my, between my shoulder blades, and I'm not sure whether I blacked out or whether, I, but I, anyway, I was, I was, I was down. And it was just my body, my body shut down. So how did you get help? I mean, that's like a heart attack kind of thing. I mean, how, did you dial nine one one or how did you get help? No, and I think this shows. I think I think 
the answer to that, I think that's the right question because the answer is going to shock you. I didn't. I changed my clothes, put on my suit. We had a gala that evening, a black tie affair for the 30th anniversary of the Hendricks Center. And I went to the gala. And we were at the Four Seasons. And <laughs> of course, I, that makes I, sense. I came down, totally makes sense that you would to, go to the gala. Exactly. I mean, why not? Exactly. So I, I went down the the elevator, I was walking into the gala, and I walked into a room. There were 18 to 20 students in there. I was big screen watching this person speaking. I went in to sit down. They came and found me and said, Mr. Amster, what are you doing in here? You're at the head table. They walked me back to the green room to the head table. I'm sitting next to um, the the dean of, of students and others. And it was I was like I was watching myself from a distance. And I was simply pushing through on sheer, sheer willpower. I mean, you're talking at a critical spot. I mean, you really probably could have been dead uh, from all of that. So what happens next? How did you re- how did you put a stop to all of this? Yeah, so I ended up, there were some amazing things that happened that night sitting next to Dr. Chuck Swindoll and others, but I received an award for leadership that evening and then caught a 1040 flight home and couldn't when I hit the airport I couldn't stop the tears it, w- it was uncontrolled uh, the tears just kept flowing and I, I got home and shared with Angie what had had happened and she of course was very concerned and it happened two or three times the next day. And by the way, it's a really good way to get an appointment with your doctor when you call with those symptoms. They see you right away. Um, and I went in and saw him, and he said, Steve, you've had a, a somatic nervous breakdown. He said, we are psychosomatic beings, um, and what's happened is it's like a GFI ground force indicator in your kitchen where you plug in too many appliances and that GFI pops. He said, you, you popped your GFI too many times. And that this, your somatic um, nervous system has disconnected from the emotions, and that's where you are. And I called my boss and told him I quit. Wow. And, and your boss is going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're one of my most valuable employees. I've got you working on all these projects. I can't have you quit. What did he say? I mean, what did he say? I mean, what do you he say was, to somebody he was, like that? He was, he was amazing. I, I can't say enough positive things about the leadership of this company, he, he said, Steve, we will walk with you through this. I mean, but to say, you know, I believe I'm having like a nervous breakdown kind of thing. And he's like, okay, with walking alongside you on it. All right. That's so, what he said. He said, we love you. We will walk alongside of you with this. And he did the entire, the entire time. And my doctor us- said, if you don't stop, you're going to shorten your life. I mean, yeah, I mean, because at this point in time, you, you could have, I mean, most, some people would have just dropped dead right where you were at anyway. So you, you must have had something. Well, God is not done with you, clearly. So how how did you go about getting some freedom from what was trapping you and get some healing for you? What, what happened next? Yeah. So I think, and what was interesting is, you know, I'd been, I had been speaking on the topic of faith and work. I get speaking invitations and men's groups and churches and podcasts and different things like that. And here I was burning myself out um, and not focusing on the rhythm of work and rest in the scriptures. And, um, and so what I did is uh, when saw my 
physician who's also a very close friend, and he recommended a a gentleman who is a coach, um, been around this for 40 years, who specializes in burnout, and Dr. Bill Germer, and um, that was a godsend. And then I assembled a personal board of, of individual. I spent the first two weeks just getting healthy and trying to get those symptoms from continuing to reoccur. That was the first two weeks. And then I took 30 days to go deep with my family. Um, no work, but I put my, my work phone and my computer in a drawer and didn't touch it for 84 days. And went deep with my family. My daughter graduated college that month. And then I spent 30 days in solitude, prayer, um, journaling, Bible study. And then I spent 24 days with my personal board of people who were 10 to 15 years my senior just listening to what they had to say, and then I spent about a week formulating what I was going to do. Okay, you, you talked about a lot of things that a lot of people don't have access to. Number one, a boss that would actually give them a break when they're facing burnout. So there's a lot of people listening today like, they're on the edge of burnout. They're, maybe they're not trying to get a master's degree, you know, manage 5,000 people and all the things that you were doing, but... They're, they're single moms that have three kids that are teenagers that are trying to put food on the table. They're, they're single dads that are trying to provide and work two jobs at, you know, one during the day and one at night. Whatever their circumstances may be, how can somebody get the kind of rest and refreshing that the Lord gave you when they can't necessarily get 90 days off? Yeah, and I think that's a good question. I understand that burnout is is a clinical in the 1970s. You can go back and read the literature from Berkeley is where they started understanding burnout as a clinical diagnosis of something. This isn't just being tired. Right. This is this is this is a level of fatigue where you feel like you're walking through wet concrete, where you can't lift your arms, where you have ringing in your ears that is so loud you can't hear anything else, where you. The walls close in. Okay, this is this is something that it, it's like it's like a it's like it gets its tentacles into you and it just drives you to the ground. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just being tired. Um, and I didn't have an option. I loved my job, but I had been when I took on the technology project. I don't know whether if someone came to you and said, "Hey, Jim, um, I realize that you have a background in these different aspects of, of work. You do a great job as a radio host." Um, could you build Uber for us? And I would say, no, right, <laughs> I'm busy. I I'd say I'm busy. But then, but then I went and led a team that, that did it. We built it. But it was it was a learning experience at age 54 that um, I maybe could have done at 34, 35. But you would add that on top of, and I also didn't tell you I have a special needs. My youngest has Down syndrome and just had his 16th surgery. So we have a lot going on with, with that as well. And it all kind of hit at once, and it pushed me to a place where I could no longer will myself forward. Steve, you shared just how, you know, how amazing your story that you were led to Christ by somebody in your workplace because of their excellence and their example. And then you talked about the success that led you to leading so many things that you eventually caused your whole mind, body, heart, and soul to burn out. And the Lord gave you a break. 
I want to talk this segment, if I could, uh, as we finish up the show today, Steve, to talk about there's a lot of people out there who are exhausted and who have gotten themselves involved in saying yes to so many things that it stretched them so thin that they're at risk of burnout. Steve, was part of your story that you were doing things that God necessarily hadn't asked you to do and it was stretching you? Because I don't think that God wants us to be burned out. So talk to us about that nuance there a little bit. Sure, absolutely. It, it, whether if you think about it, and we, we look at our life in terms of different spheres of our life, right? There's no secular and sacred. It is all sacred, everything that we do. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything we do belongs to Him. But if you look at your life and you have, as a believer, you have your, your work life where you, you want to uh, produce excellence, like Mark did, displaying to me. You have the church, and the church wants your time and your money, and they'll take as much of it as they can possibly get. Then you have your, your family, you have your community area, and then I, was, I added on top of that education and, and you know, teaching out of the country and those different types of things. Looking at each one of those individually, I would say they're probably a full-time job, each one of them individually. Cumulatively, it was crushing. So I think the first most practical piece of advice I can give, and this is what I did, I stepped back and I wrote out a 30,000-foot perspective on my life. What was I doing from each one of these different aspects? And when I added them all up, I just, I just, I, I was overwhelmed. So the first thing practically to do is just is step back and pick a 30,000-foot assessment of all of the things going on in your life. Because my pastor didn't know everything that was going on at work. My boss didn't know everything that was going on outside of work. Right? They don't have that perspective. So get that perspective yourself. Plus, they don't know what's going on in your family. I mean, you got three kids, one of which you said was special needs. You're married to a woman 32 years. Uh, I mean, you, there's a lot going on family stuff. So you get a lot going on there. Plus, you live in San Antonio, Texas, which is, you know... I mean, there's always the temptation of barbecue everywhere you go. So, I mean, it's just all that pulling at you. So talk to us about how how you move forward today. You went back to work after 90 days. You're still in your same position you were at before. How do you keep this from happening again? Two things. First, gifting. Gifting. Understanding the specific gifts that God has given me. Bill Hendricks walked with me through this for almost 80 days. And then learning to say no for what is not in my gifting. That would be first. Um, Second is our boundaries. When I leave the office at night, I leave my work phone and my computer at my desk. When I arrive back in the morning, I turn the work work phone and the computer back on. Um, If you don't learn to say no, your yes means nothing. And learning how to say no is the first step. How, what what part is Angie? You said your wife's name was Angie. Is that what, did I catch that correctly? Correct. Okay. So what part has Angie played in all of this? Because you've had the privilege of having an amazing woman walk alongside of you uh, because it's, it has been said that behind every great man of God, there's always an incredible woman woman of God Without her, this recovery probably wouldn't have been as, quote-unquote, easy. 
how does she help you keep <laughs> keep your perspective proper today and keep your uh, no's no and your yeses yes? She is. She knows me better than I know myself, and she is obviously the Lord and others. But she is is the one who got me got me through this, and she's still my the one I check off on and and touch base with. And I have said no more in the past 40 days than I probably have in the past 40 years. So let's go back to the question that I asked you at the beginning of the show. I asked you, how does your faith shape your work? You were led to Christ because of one man's example in being diligent and operating with excellence and how he handled the company's money through his expense report. You have 4,000 to 5,000. I mean, you listed off numbers. It's between four and 5,000 people that report to you in an upline within an organization. You've now had an incredible experience from God, which he made very clear. I'm not done with you yet, Steve Ramser. I'm not done. But I needed you to have a fresh perspective on what I actually have in mind for you. How has that impacted how you manage down the line to those four or 5,000 people? You know, it's changed. It's changed the perspective on on everything, and really, I'll I'll summarize it into a, a couple of buckets. The first is time. Um, I, I've, I've have a I've, I have a strong sense of of urgency and running through walls and and getting things done, taking the hill, if you will. And now I factor in the 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 time that it's going to take to accomplish that given project and add 30, 60, or 90 days and give myself and my team more time to do that. And that's really challenging for a a type A leader, right? Because you want to run through the walls and, and, and achieve that, that victory. Um, but at what cost? So I think the first bucket would be, be around, Time. The second bucket is around um, recognizing uh, strengths and weaknesses, and really bringing in people who see those blind sides, uh, that 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 blind side of of leadership, and having them point out, okay, Steve, you're pushing over here too much. You need to back off. Give yourself a break. Um, and then the the third area is really beginning the day with the Lord. I would say this is probably number one is I had always been studying and, and teaching and, and doing those types of things, but you can, you can get a seminary degree from, from Dallas Seminary, and you cannot spend time with the Lord. Hmm. And okay, I'm hang taking on a, on a hang, seminary. Hang on a minute, because there's a lot of people that don't know how that's possible. They also don't know how it's possible to prepare for a sermon for 20 hours a week and not spend time with the Lord. Explain yeah. what you mean. Sure, I, I taught Galatians last Sunday, um, and, and, there, and there, there's a difference. It's looking at that time of preparation as an action plan to get to an outcome, and the outcome is a, a 40-minute homily or a, a Sunday school lesson or whatever, right? I've shifted that perspective. The, the, the outcome now is enjoying the moment in the presence of the Lord. And then he takes care of what I taught last Sunday. And I taught in Africa, 36 pastors for two weeks last year with two other individuals. 
you put over 100 hours in preparing the coursework. We we taught Christology, so you, I mean, you can't get any any better than that. Um, three hours a night for two weeks, and it was deep, rich, wonderful time. But I would love to go back and do it again now. What I with what I know, and just enjoy the fellowship and presence of the Lord, and let Him determine the outcome. We've only got a couple minutes left of the show, and, and what you just said there enjoy the fellowship of the Lord, really just rest in him because Jesus was really good at doing what you've had to learn to do in the last year. Jesus is really good at being all in, in his gifting, doing what he's supposed to do, saying yes to those things important, saying no to those things. He didn't heal everybody. He healed certain people, but he was also good at really spending time with the Lord and getting rest and going and getting away. How and critical is that in the life of a Christ follower in their workplace mission field to get that rest and that time with the Lord every day? Essential. Like you essential, like think, eating every day kind of thing? Like breathing. Like breathing. I think you can go, what, what three minutes without breath and 30 days without food, or I forget what it is. But yeah, it's like breathing. And, and the rhythm is absolutely crucial that that whether you think about the year of jubilee or the seven sevens or or the creation the rhythm in in creation um building that rhythm into the warp and woof of my life it has has really given me joy and peace in a way that i hadn't experienced it before Hmm. i just love the fact that your story has all of this is centered around your work, your workplace mission field. You've been able to live all this out in front of all of your people so they can see the transparency and the authenticity of your faith. Steve Ramzer, thank you so much for sharing your story and I work for him today. Thanks for being here. You're welcome, Jim. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. Uh, and, you know, I just encourage each one of you just to listen again to this story in the podcast because you, we all need to understand how impactful our lives are in our workplace. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, definitely my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit IWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at IWorkForHim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at IWorkForHim and online IWorkForHim.com. I work the number for him.com.